to dive into our teaching time here uh, together, and it's a privilege to uh, lead us today in a discussion on the topic of discipleship. And last week, I said something that a lot of people had questions about, and they said, so the difference between a creedal tradition and a confessional tradition. And one of the big differences there is that creedal traditions focus on knowing the truth, and confessional traditions focus on living the truth. How is this showing up in our life? And so our confession of faith is really a discipleship document more than it is a merely a doctrinal one. So today we're going to jump ahead a little bit in the order of what we are going to discuss in our Confession of Faith. We've been doing the articles sequentially, and we're going to jump to Article 10, which is the one on discipleship. Uh, and so if um, we, the overview of Article 10 is this. We believe that Jesus calls people who have experienced the new birth to follow him in a costly life of service to God. The power of the Holy Spirit transforms believers from the unrighteous pattern of this present age into a life of joyful obedience with God's people. So we need to define some terms here, especially this word discipleship, because it gets thrown around a lot, and it, it appears as our primary instruction from Jesus in Matthew 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all peoples or all nations. And so, we need to understand clearly that uh, to be a disciple is to be a follower, is to be an apprentice, to be a student of a master. And in Jesus' day, this was a well-understood concept. If you wanted to learn something, you found someone who had mastered that topic, whose life you wanted to imitate, and you apprenticed yourself to them. And so this is why Jesus calls his disciples to follow him. They see him as a respected teacher and they want to make a commitment not just to learn his teaching but to learn to imitate his way of living. And this word also disciple exists outside of the Christian tradition. So some people in the world of finance and economics will say things like, "Oh, I'm a disciple." of John Locke, by which they mean they follow that particular branch of economic thinking. Or uh, I asked Ron for a musical example, and he said uh, Chet Atkins would be, how many people know Chet Atkins? All right, no one under age 40, Ron, sorry, all right. Oh, no, I'm sorry. All right, Chris knows. All right. Chet Atkins has a very unique style of playing the guitar. And so if you saw someone playing in a particular way, using their thumb in a particular way, you would say, ah, they're a disciple of Chet Atkins. They play like or have been influenced like Chet does. And the reality is if you think about discipleship in that way, all of us are disciples. Everyone is a disciple. The only question about discipleship is who or what do you follow? With whom do you do that journey together? And then what are the requirements for you to say that you are a disciple of that thing or that ideology or that person? And in the Christian tradition, the, the Anabaptist movement 
has put a strong emphasis on lived faith. And part of that is a historical reality that it grew up in a time and in a season where you could participate in a state church for all of your life and actually never live out any of those truths, but you were a Christian because you were born into a Christian country and you participated in a religious institution. And so the early Anabaptists said that doesn't actually square with the biblical picture of discipleship, followership. What are the requirements of a disciple? And so in that period of time, there was a lot of shaping influences around personal experience with Jesus and with God, personal piety, not just saying that we believe our faith. Uh, there were also a lot of then early charismatic influences in the Mennonite Brethren movement, an openness to the Holy Spirit uh, to lead and structure and follow worship, uh, combined with a deep theology of community life together, which Pastor Wally talked about. And so that sank those things about discipleship deep into the DNA of this movement, uh, which we are inheritors of. And so we have to look at the question, what does discipleship actually involve? What does it mean to be a disciple? So the way that we've chosen to explore this in our confession of faith is to say that discipleship involves the decisive act of the will to commit oneself to live as a follower of Christ as the Bible teaches. Discipleship involves uniting in a distinct community with other believers, growing up into Christ, and demonstrating true faith through an obedient lifestyle. And we find in the New Testament that Jesus used this term to describe people who had moved beyond just the curiosity of the crowd, coming to hear him talk, see a miracle or two. Those weren't disciples yet. Disciples were people who had committed to him in a deeper way. They were on a journey with him and with each other. Look with me in your Bibles at Mark chapter 8 as just one place where Jesus articulates this. And there's uh, a Bible inside of the Jericho Ridge app, if you have that. Mark chapter 8, verses 34, Jesus saying, said this, then calling the crowd to join his disciples, Jesus said, if any of you wants to be my follower, my disciple, you must turn from your selfish ways Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And this is just one of many places where Jesus talks about and defines discipleship more clearly for us. And we see in this text that there are three movements that a disciple makes. And each movement involves turning away from something and also turning toward and embracing something or someone. And the first movement that Jesus articulates and that the scriptures teach is that disciples choose to follow. And so they choose to follow Jesus. 
And if you want to say that you are a disciple of Jesus, then you are called to turn away from non-discipleship. You're called to turn away from the values of this world, the acts, the actions, and the attitudes of what is called the sinful nature. We'll talk more about that next week. And toward a life of obedient service and sacrifice to God. So disciples choose to follow. Disciples are converts to something or someone. And discipleship in the Christian tradition begins with a commitment, a personal commitment to faith in Jesus Christ. Not just as a good moral teacher or with a wonderful set of ideals, but saying, he is my master. I choose to be Jesus' apprentice. And this means giving up your own way. Jesus says in this text in Mark chapter 8, this will mean doing life my way, not your way. It means choosing to follow Jesus sometimes into places that involve suffering. And I think one of the things that the modern Christian movement has, has gotten caught up in, and it's been, I think, harmful to the modern Christian movement, is the reduction of discipleship to a moment, a moment of decision. F- discipleship, or following Jesus, has in some places and by some people become reduced to getting people to pray a prayer. And if we're talking about that Event, we're not talking about discipleship. We're talking about something that I might call decisionism. And discipleship is categorically different from decisionism. Discipleship is about a lifetime of obedience and being willing to count the cost. Decisionism is about a moment. Discipleship is about not choosing to go after low-hanging fruit about scaring people into praying a prayer so that they won't go to hell. Discipleship is about an invitation to a lifelong apprenticeship, a process that involves dying to ourselves and giving up our lives for the sake of Christ. These are different things categorically. And when we confuse them, and when the Christian tradition confuses them, you might have a lot of converts, but not a lot of disciples. And Jesus says that our role and our goal is to make disciples of all nations. 20th century theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, frames it this way, the cross is laid on every person, and when Christ calls persons to himself, He bids them come and die. A death to self is involved in the movement to discipleship. So that's movement number one. Choosing to follow. Choosing to die to self. And this leads us to moment number two. Movement number two. If discipleship is a journey, then the question is who are you on the journey with. Movement two is a movement just not about choosing Jesus, but also choosing to walk with others. Movement number two is a movement into community. So we would say things like, this is a call to turn away from individualism and toward 
a choice to be united in a distinct community who can provide both loving accountability and corrective nurture. So discipleship is not a solitary lifestyle or activity. See, when Jesus called his disciples to follow him, it was not actually just a call to follow Jesus as an individual. It was a call into a community of those who followed him. And that community implied a number of things. It implied sacrifice. It implied accountability. It implied support and care. And, and one of the things that I love about Jericho is that this is a place where I find that people are loving and compassionate and can provide support when I'm struggling or in need. But this is also a place where people call me out, where people challenge me, where people say, Brad, I love you too much to let that part of your life just continue because that's not helpful or healthy. They walk with me and coach me and mentor me to help me become more and more like Jesus. And so a call to discipleship is a call into that type of community. You cannot be a disciple without a community in some format around you. Now, communities don't do this perfectly. For those of you who are students, let me talk to you for a second. How many of you liked group projects in school? No, very few people do. I know I didn't because in a group project, one of the challenges of it is that my mark is dependent on how other people perform in some way. And so this notion of disciples belonging to each other in local communities can sound like an invitation into a bad group project. And group projects... You know, when you look around then in, in a group in a school setting, you're like, that person is not pulling their weight in any way. I could get this done better if I could get this done on my own. Why do I need the rest of these people here? But on the flip side of that, try not to think about discipleship as a bad group project. Try to think about it maybe through the lens of a team or teamwork. I've been watching uh, a bit of the Olympics this last week, and some of the sports that I actually thought were individual sports, they've turned them into team sports in some ways. Uh, like Big Air, your team score defined in that category how you did. And so the lowest score on your team actually was going to have an impact on you. Or bobsled or bobsleigh. I still have no idea what the grammatical difference is and when to use either of those appropriately. But these team sports are environments where you are deeply committed to helping the rest of the people around you succeed. The relationships that those athletes develop with each other is powerful and transformative. The trust that they have with each other as they journey together is amazing. And they have the ability to put their success into the hands of another individual. And that's what discipleship is. Discipleship is a team sport, not a bad group project. Because discipleship 
is about relationships. It implies relationships. It's about mature Christian people walking with and modeling to younger Christians what it means to live a spiritual journey. It's about younger people submitting themselves to the wisdom and grace of those who've gone before them. It's about learning to participate in transformative spiritual practices that are going to contribute to your growth that come to us from the historic Christian tradition. And once you've adopted those things into your own life, you help others incorporate them into their practices. Discipleship is all about relationships. There is no such thing as a solitary disciple because the call to discipleship involves a call to community. And so the question that we need to wrestle with then is maybe twofold. And one is a question of downstream. Who are you pouring your life into? Who are you discipling? Parents, caregivers, this is your responsibility with those who are under your care to model for them what a healthy life with God looks like. And we're here to help support you in that journey. As a, as a faith community. Young adults, it's your job to model for those who are younger than you at Jericho and beyond what it looks like to passionately follow Jesus and to make decisions in early stages of career and thinking about education. What does it mean to pay attention to God's spirit in your life and not just chase the values and visions of the world how much money you can make or what's the easiest path to walk out. Those younger than you are watching. Senior adults, it is your job to teach the generations beneath you how to pray. Not just these are good prayer words or phrases to use, but helping them see persistence and grace in your life, even when the answer doesn't come quickly or shortly, and watching people pour out their heart to God. So the question for each of us in a community is, who are you pouring your life into? We will only be a strong and vibrant church when we are intentional about these types of discipleship relationships. And that's not a program. That's just you saying, I'm going to pour my heart and my life into somebody by God's grace that's willing. And so then flip that around. And the second question is who is pouring their life into you? Who is mentoring you? Who is discipling you? Sometimes I hear people complain, well, I just don't have anybody. Uh, no one's doing that for me. I wish I want it. I, I just don't think that, uh, you know, that I can find someone. And, and some of you may just need to work up the courage to actually look around the community, find someone that you respect that aspect of their life, and just take them for coffee and boldly just say to them, hey, could we have coffee like every month? I would be interested in, in just learning and growing in this area of my life, and I'm wondering if you'd be a person that could help me. It, it could be as simple but also as scary as that for you. And this is why here at Jericho we do things like small groups. It's why we do things like 
service groups or task-based groups that are intergenerational in their nature. We want to remind all of us that the church is not about programs. It's about these types of relationships being poured into and then pouring our lives into others. And if you need help making some of those connections, then we as a staff would love to sit with you and help make those connections for you. There are many, many people here at Jericho who are wise and who would walk with you in whatever stage of life you find yourself in. So discipleship is about those kinds of relationships. So movement one, choosing to follow. Movement two, choosing community. And movement number three is choosing growth. A growth mindset. We express it this way. We are called to turn away from living for ourselves and we are called to turn toward a posture of allowing our lives to be shaped and changed by God's grace and our efforts at growth. Dallas Willard is a great writer who's influenced my thinking significantly in these categories. He was a philosophy professor, and he was famous for saying this, grace is definitely opposed to earning, but it is not opposed to effort. And what we mean by this is that, that growth, if you want to grow as a disciple, if you want to learn as an apprentice, then you need to put some work into it. And the scriptures teach that, that growth is both God's gift of grace and that also growth is a result of your efforts and commitments. From a human perspective, growth in Christ always involves work. And from God's perspective, it is something that God purposes and produces in our lives. And so in order to move beyond that sort of moment of decisionism into discipleship, if you want to call yourself a disciple, it requires action and activity on your part because discipleship is learned by doing. And we have here a modern parallel in our culture that helps us uh, in, the, in the sense of apprenticeship or disciples are apprentices. So in the trades, we have apprenticeship programs. And the pr apprenticeship is designed to put a more skilled craftsperson or mentor to guide younger and less experienced learners toward increased both mastery of content, there is classroom-based stuff for apprentices, and also lived experiences that go beyond the classroom setting. But the apprentice knows they have to put in the work. They have to do things. They have classes to attend, hours of work to put in, so that they can begin to master this type of skill and knowledge that is required for them. And the Christian life of following Jesus, in some ways, is very similar. It is something that you learn to do by just doing it. And this is something that is both frustrating and also beautiful because it's ongoing in our lives until you and I are carried into our eternal home or until we choose to stop being a disciple, you will never arrive. You are always on the journey of discipleship. 
and reading some of the early Anabaptists is incredibly powerful in this way. They say things like uh, Hans Stenk, who was persecuted for his faith, said, to know Christ, one must follow him in life. Discipleship is a lifelong choice to apprentice ourselves to the master. Ron and the worship and song team are coming and we're going to prepare to respond in song. And a lot of these songs are just prayers put to music or another way of thinking about that is just this is, can you say this as an intent or desire of your heart? And so I want you as we sing these songs to think about where do you find yourself on this journey of discipleship? What are areas of growth that you want to pursue? What are practices that you need to put in place in your life that would help support your intention to grow and to follow Jesus with the whole of your life? Our prayer team is here and would love to help you on that journey. Uh, today, prayer is going to be led by Meg, by Ali, and by Wally. They'll be available at the back if you're joining us online. Uh, we would invite you to just email your prayer request to prayer at jerichoridge.com. And I want to remind us that the commitment to discipleship does come with a cost. The early Anabaptists knew this well. They laid down and were willing to stake their lives on the notion that following Jesus costs you something. But it also comes with something, and that is just an incredible joy and privilege of journeying together with other people and learning to love and to live like Jesus. And that, to me, is what's so powerful and amazing about discipleship, is that it's so daily, these daily decisions that end up creating a long obedience in a direction. And so I'd invite you to join me and join us on this journey. It is a wild and unpredictable ride, but it is the best choice that you could make. And so let's pray together. Gracious God, who loves us, you gave yourself up for us. You opened up a way for us to be in relationship to you, to be able to know you, to be able to follow you. And so, God, we choose again in this place to say yes to that invitation, to deepen our desire to grow and to follow you, to be shaped into the image of your Son. We thank you for the empowerment of your Spirit's work in our lives and in the world to do that. We choose in this moment, in this day, to turn away from things that would inhibit our discipleship. The sin that so easily besets us. We want to be those that run with patience and endurance the race that's marked out for us. Looking to you, Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith. Strengthen and help us in our desire and intention and in our actions, day by day, moment by moment. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.